You are listening to the Give Me Five podcast, episode number 92. Give Me Five podcast, a semi-entertaining show about very entertaining things. We are your one-stop shop for pop culture, nostalgia, movies, music, theme parks, and since we live in Florida, the occasional story about a man who ties up his wife's lover and cuts off his penis. Is that one true? Wait, wait, wait. He ties up his wife's lover and cuts off his own penis? <laughs> no. He cut off his wife's lover's penis oh, after... Okay discovering them together okay Florida. my name is jimmy and i am joined by greg <laughs> hi continuously and embarrassed rob. about the state that i live in mm. and rob and greg i'm sorry i cut off your penis. yeah <laughs> wait you don't have a wife they don't know that. this week we're going to chat about <laughs> and continue our summer throwback special episodes where we watch summer movies from the 80s i like how you plowed through this that week, but honestly if there really was one friend of mine that is able to cut off my penis safely it'd be rob <laughs> so because he's the one that you expose your penis to the most because he's the only yes. one i know with medical training ah this week we've got <laughs> committed to a bright future the new to you album by dog fashion disco Ooh. holy sister by Mark Lawrence, Battle of the 80 Super Supercars, yeah. <laughs> and the 1983 classic Sleepaway Camp. So much wrong with that movie. That is our oh summer throwback God. throwback movie of the week. After we're done, we will come up with this week's top five list relating to our topics. So, as always, guys, this is a review show, and there will probably be spoilers, but. Let's face it. If you haven't seen Sleepaway Camp by now, you're probably or seen any of the but you might want to nine hundred website articles that say the most shocking ending of movies of all time of all time. We will try to avoid any major spoilers, but if you if we are talking about something you haven't seen, read, or listened to yet, please use your own discretion and come back later. And if you don't, and you decide you need to send us a nasty email, address it to Greg. <laughs> so guys anything new oh, happening out news. there this week rob uh get out get out your your excited pants and your your nipple balm because 51 minutes my your excited, excited pants, pants? pants? <laughs> i don't know they're a little baggy 51 minutes right, before we ahead. started recording i got a message and that message said that halloween horror nights has released an all-new haunted house yes oh really and that haunted house is that yeah, what apparently. your child is talking about in the he's, background? He's in another room, but so he was not hearing all the other conversations, but he is yammering. Anyway, that new haunted house is going to be Ghostbusters. Nice. And it is also the original 1984 Ghostbusters. You were going. <laughs> oh, good. It exactly. wasn't a crappy exactly. remake. Again, crappy because the jokes didn't hit. Not crappy for any other reason, since people will get angry. Uh, Celebrating its 35th anniversary, you will jump through the movie screen of the original 1984 film and walk through some of your favorite scenes like the New York Public Library, the Temple of Gozer, and more. Come face-to-face -face with the voracious Slimer, the all-powerful yes. Gozer the Gozerian, and Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. 
Yeah, I'm. Sounds amazing. I'm wanting it to to smell Just, like marshmallow cool. in the marshmallow man room. I'm wanting I'm wanting to walk through mm-hmm. like a slimer. Maybe I want slime. I want to be slimed. Uh, it, this what, ain't Nickelodeon. It used to you be can't Nickelodeon. Do that on television. Oh, was it? I, you had to say to be slimed. I don't know. It's splash. Uh, this year, from I September second to November second, or September sixth to November second, you can go to Universal Halloween Horror Nights and hang out with Rob and myself. Woo! Uh, that is one of my news bits. Anyone else have some before I ramble on about more? Okay. I do. And it's uh, in regards to a fake Facebook page. Well, it's a real Facebook page with a, a fake message uh, encouraging users to commit to storming Area 51. Oh, yeah. I saw that. Because uh, that ongoing. Like last week? Yeah. As the page says, um, if we Naruto run, they can't catch us all. Um, which is a very bad idea. Uh, not only are you contending with the desert, but you are contending with armed guards. Uh, the invite has reached, uh, 1.5 million attendees. And now if you check Facebook and look at the page, you'll probably see a lot of your friends <laughs> have committed to joining because it's just a joke, really. Yeah. Um, but if, a quarter of those people actually show up, then they're uh, they're not going to be faced with a really good time. Uh, Area 51, as of I think 2009, is an active military installation that is uh, probably some patrolled landlines. by armed guards. And I mean, maybe um, the other thing is, I, I think if the United States military were truly and you know is possibly hiding things in Area 51, then. They would seal those things under lock and key, and you would not see it. It's going to be a bunch of hippies, you know, getting through a gate and going, what do we do now, man? Uh, because as the uh, the invite says, uh, it's an attempt to, <laughs> quote, see them aliens. Um, I don't think that's going to go anywhere. I think the actual event happens towards the end of September. I, I You know, maybe a couple of tourists are going to show up with cameras, but. Uh, it's not really going anywhere. Greg, I know you were curious about it, but yeah. <laughs> There's a small cloud of dust and like hippies running through the desert with like VW buses and Hey man, is this Burning Man? Now when when I first heard about this, mm-hmm. I was like, What effing moron thinks this is a good idea? It's not. It's a joke. It, right. Yeah. Well it it yeah. wasn't until I looked into it that I realized, okay, this is this is tongue in cheek, this is a joke. Because I got to be honest with you, if this weren't a joke and, you know, hundreds of thousands of people decided it was a great idea to storm a military base, I'm sorry, man, you get what you get. <laughs> I am not I am not feeling sorry for anybody who gets shot or killed because they thought it was a great idea to storm a military base. Now, I think three or four people are going to show up. They're going to chicken out. And it's not going to happen for their for the good of, you know, for their benefit, I guess. Because they would get shot and killed. Yeah. Like like pulling a gun on a cop. You kind of get what you get, you know? Mm-hmm. It's kind of weird. I've never been much of like a, you know, like the, these type of aliens that they always talk about, like the, are called the grays, you know, ones with the big eyes and kind of gangly mm-hmm. legs. It's never been my thing. It's so weird. Like podcasts that I listen to when they start talking about aliens, I just tune out. Like, yeah. I don't know. There's something about like, I think it actually is the hippie thing. Because there's too many hippies that, like, I knew in high school and stuff that just had those, like, aliens and everything and on their bongs and their cars and stuff. And it wasn't my thing at all. So, like, it, I completely blew off this news for a while. 
And then, mm-hmm. like, I started seeing, like, hearing students talk about it, hearing other people mention it that I know. I'm like, what? Really? This is a thing? Have you seen the memes? If I hear... I have seen some of the memes, yes. Yeah. Uh, I got another little bit of news here. This is a good news, bad news thing for Jimmy. Mm, go ahead. Jimmy. Uh-oh. Uh, Akira, directed by Taika Waititi, has been delayed. Hmm. Yeah. It was delayed... Uh, indefinitely it was penciled in for may 21st 2021 that's the bad news good news is that it has opened up mr taika waititi to direct thor 4 and write it just like he did three that was not going to be a thing now it's going to be a thing and as yeah i personally think ragnarok was the best of the thor movies so far i'm really excited to see what taika waititi does with it i saw somewhere that he was also attached to flash gordon um, so the Akira thing really kind of, it's now, you know, super in doubt, but, um, hopefully, you know, he finds a little bit of time to, uh, to provide some input to the next season of what we do in the shadows and we'll be all good. Well, that's the entertainment news, but of course there is some other news that is entertaining. It is entertaining. <laughs> mm. it is Depends exciting. on who you are. Oh God. It's time for weird shit in Florida. Weird, weird shit in Florida. Shit in Florida. Yeah, yeah, it's weird shit in Florida. There it is. Mm. Makes Master Marcus in the house, you guys. 49-year-old Alex Bonilla was arrested on charges including aggravated assault after he found his wife with another man. Now, what did he do? Of course, he tied his wife's lover up at gunpoint and told him that if he did not comply with his demands, that he was going to shoot him. Uh, Mr. Bonilla proceeded to cut his wife lover's genitalia from his body. And what did he do with it after that? Made a smoothie. Naturally. Nope. He ran across the street uh, with it in his hand to his house. I guess this guy lived right across the street from them. But, Mr. I I love what this says. The news report says, Authorities say a Florida man held his wife's lover at gunpoint and cut off the man's penis before fleeing with the flailing appendage. (laughs) So, Mr. Bonilla has been arrested. And as of this moment, guys, I'm going to keep my eye on this story because there has been no update to what has happened to the man's penis. So, wow. um, We'll we'll find out soon. That's a hard story to follow. Oh, well, somebody's got to get the shaft. (laughs) Do you have, is that a sound clip or you just are really good at replicating that same noise every time? That one? That was me actually doing that. I said that a lot. That was, that's actually from my friend Kimmy from high school and college. She used to go whenever, whatever would happen. And it somehow it stuck. Anyway. Right on. uh, Thank you, Kimmy. Uh, do some snap decisions here. We haven't done one of these in a while because we did some fun games, but... Yes, let's do a snap decision. But uh, I did find a little article here that I'm kind of interested about, and I kind of know the answer here, but let's do it. So there's an article on in Variety Magazine. So this is a magazine that knows everything about Hollywood because it's kind of the thing that the people in Hollywood read. And it says, Disney is left with a slate of film flops after Fox deal. And basically what it is saying is that, uh, you know, they, they team Disney bought out the entertainment side of Fox. 
and it, which when they did it, they ended up getting Dark Phoenix, which mm-hmm. bombed as we talked about it way too much, and also Stuber, which uh, came out last week, and you said it did eight million dollars, I guess. Eight million. Yep. Uh, everything's finding a, a you know finding it very difficult to get out from under the shadow of Spider Man Far From Home. Still, an opening weekend of eight million bucks does not bode well for the movie going yes. forward. Uh, the only thing that has come out that has actually done decently is a religious drama called Breakthrough, which I think is the one about the kid falling through the ice. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, which made $50.4 million. That shit well, scared the one? hell out of me. The Good Son? Different movie. Oh, okay. Never mind. But but man, I can imagine some religious people going to see that by accident. That wouldn't go well. About as well as when my grandmother went to see Alien thinking it was a tale of immigrants. <laughs> Uh, that is not uh, that is not a joke that is actually mm, a thing that happened oh my god (laughs) it took her several minutes into the spaceship flying through the sky when she realized that it was not the tale of jewish immigrants coming to this country um so she didn't like that but anyway uh breakthrough that did about 50.4 million on a 14 million dollar budget those movies are relatively made cheap and they have a built-in fan base that's kind of okay now this article is positing that Disney might be having buyer's remorse because that deal was $71.3 billion uh, on a level of very full of shit to to somewhat full of shit. How stupid is this article? (laughs) I mean, I'm sorry. Do you feel that Disney is having regrets? Not at all. Not in the slightest. No. These movies that were in development, I don't see how Fox would have handled them any differently. A movie like Stuber... um, it's a very niche kind of thing, and it, I, I think maybe Disney put it out. Okay, well, we've got this thing. Uh, I don't know. Spider-Man's still out. Whatever. Let's get this thing over and done with. Um, that movie feels like it would have done better on Netflix. That would have had a bunch of people watching it. Probably. Like I, would have, I would have watched it on Netflix. Yeah, I don't know how that works, how they really make money, um, but yeah, and no, not at all. Disney's not having any regrets. They're just whatever, they're fine. That's a stupid article. Rob. Who wrote it? It is... Two people, actually. They're both it, stupid. It is... Rebecca Rubin and Brent Lang. It is actually an asinine article. Because... let it, Maybe you can clear this up for me, Greg. Disney buys Fox. Fox releases these movies, or has these movies slated to be released. Has they, the movies slated to be released, yeah. They've already been paid for. Yes? So Disney is essentially getting the money. No, it, they the movies are usually uh produced on a at a loss and then they when they make the money back. So they they incurred the debt. Right, but Disney didn't incur that debt. Fox did before they acquired. No, they, them. Disney did. When they when they bought the the properties, they incurred that debt. It's part of the deal. Oh, okay. So technically as soon as so like Fox is going to pay for something and then let Disney reap the money. They it, they would be like, okay, when you buy this deal, you are taking on our $50 million of debt here and $20 million of debt there. Okay. But still, Disney is not regretting this because Disney bought it for the intellectual property that Fox had, not for the movies that they had coming in the pipeline right now. So mm-hmm. Disney bought this thinking about what was going on in the future, not what was coming out next month. About thinking about the Avengers taking on Magneto someday, yes. not Stuber. Correct. Um, yeah. This article and is also, moronic. 
Yeah, it's interesting. Like it wasn't supposed to be like this when the historic takeover was first announced. Disney's looming presence over the box office was was expected to go stronger. Blah blah blah. blah Hack blah. journalism at its finest. I bet they're both signed up for the uh, march on Area Fifty One. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. It's even funny that they're like they even at, they even ask in the article, "Cue the inevitable reboot boot of the X Men." That was going to happen regardless. Yeah, like who didn't think that? Like I don't know shit. We're not the three of us are not really that related to Hollywood, and we knew that they were going to reboot the X Men. Speak for yourself, there, Dingus. My Xbox is named Hollywood. <laughs> wow, you're not related to it. Uh, yeah, they, they also, of course, got some pretty good TV shows like, uh, Atlanta American Horror Story. So they'll get all those rights as well. So we'll see what happens. It is very interesting that these are, this does give Disney a little bit of fuel to not release rated R movies because that is a thing that people have worried about because all of the movies that have done poorly have been rated R movies. Well, or, well, I guess the X-Men was not, but that's not entirely true because, a, it, because Deadpool did fantastic. So it's it's all about what the the quality of what you release. Like I didn't expect Stuber to do well. I mean, it looked like it was gonna be a funny movie, but I, I mean, it wasn't. I thought about going to see it this past weekend, but it wasn't anything that was like, oh my god, I gotta run out and see it. It, it just wasn't that type of movie. Plus, plus the fact mm-hmm. that the leading the leading actor is Dave Bautista, who let's face it, looks a little weird. Um. He's good being the muscle in a in a movie, but I don't know that he can carry a movie. And when he's not being like intentionally funny, a la Drax, intentionally being intentionally funny by not intentionally being funny, does that make any sense? Yeah. Um, I don't I don't know that his acting is all that great. I mean, just the clips that you see in the trailer, it it's slightly painful watching. So I kind of wanted to go see what I thought might be a train wreck. But I, mm. I I didn't expect it to be a good movie. I ain't gonna throw fifteen dollars at something if I think it's gonna be a train wreck. Well, I didn't go see it, did I? <laughs> you wanted to. I I did want to, but I'm not going to see it opening weekend. I mean, I thought about it, but I'm like, eh, I don't need to go out and see. It. Dave Batista was actually pretty good in Blade Runner, but yeah, I I agree with you. I'd see a Drax the Destroyer movie, but mm, not I, on opening weekend. I don't know that I would see a movie centered strictly on Drax. I don't think the character is strong enough to hold his own movie. I think he's I think he's a he's side strong character. as hell. Oh, That's his up. whole thing. He needs a he needs a mantis or he yeah. needs that whole he, crew. He, yeah, you're right. I think the character isn't strong enough to the, hold his the own movie. Real the lack of sarcasm becomes it it's a good joke. Right. But it's not a full movie thing. Uh, this is actually the first rated R movie Disney or any of Disney Studios released in six years which is kind of interesting. The last one was uh, The Fifth Estate in 2013. Interesting. Okay, well, let's move on. Yeah, I, I don't, I think that when I read that article, I was like, huh? It was. It seemed like an article that was written like a, a year and a half ago based on the way they were saying things like they were like, fact. It, like it was stuff. Go back to writing okay. school, nerds. Before we get to our main topic of the night, we are going to cover three things very quickly for your enjoyment. We've got a book an album, and something that Greg's going to talk about. A TV show. That's right. (laughs) Now, guys, I'm really excited to talk about this. This is one of my favorite bands, and I finally get to review one of their albums, albeit I don't have much time. I don't need it because the album speaks for itself. It's 
committed to a bright future by the group Dog Fashion Disco, formed in 1995 by high school friends in Rockville, Maryland. This album was originally recorded in 2003. It is the last of their albums that they have re-recorded and they are releasing. So I've talked about them before. Again, guys, Dog Fashion Disco, if you're into heavy metal, if you're into the harpsichord, trumpet, saxophone, piano, or organ, then you would also like Dog Fashion Disco. Their influences, I'm reading this like a dating profile, influences for Dog Fashion Disco include true crime, carnivals. Yes, but do they like long walks on the beach and traveling? Uh, probably like on large amounts of uh, LSD. Okay. Um, their influences, at least this is what I gather from listening to them. I've been a fan for, it was 95, so probably around 17 years. Um, true crime, carnivals, rock and roll, hallucinogens, funk, jazz, thrash, and metal are all influences that bleed through their sound. The lyricist, singer, children's book author, and author Todd Smith is absolutely brilliant. Um, I just found out tonight that he wrote a kid's book. Is so before I'm, or after he wrote the song about the street prostitute? Which one? <laughs> <laughs> well, wait. There's but, several. Yeah. Wait. Yeah. That wow. wait was from Erotic Massage. Um, if you listen to the album Adultery, there's uh, – None of these things make me want to buy this book for my child. Just saying. <laughs> it's called like Poofin' and, and Nuppin' or something. It's about a bear and a little skunk that – or friends, I think, uh, sorry, Todd Smith, please don't murder me. Um, subjects from the album include songs about John Wayne Gacy, plastic surgery, witchcraft, and not so subtle sexual innuendos. I've often described Dogfish and Disco sound to people as, uh, heavy metal carnival music is, is the best that I can. I can describe it. They're super eclectic. They have parts that are straight up jazz and, and parts that are straight up thrash metal. I, I E love song for a witch, which is a very heavy, fast song or deja vu, uh, which almost, you know, it's very lounge music style mm -hmm. and, and they've lounge music has been list, listed as an influence. So I don't think it's any slight to the group. Um, you, you should definitely check out the album on. Spotify, iTunes, uh, whatever you listen to music on. It's Dog Fashion Disco, committed to a bright future, and you can visit the website directly, razortowrist.com. Yeah, if you're one of those people that's out there like, oh, music is boring, it's all this corporate blah, 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 blah. This is a combination of a bunch of things. It is. Mm -hmm. It reminds me a lot of some Faith No More stuff. Uh, Mr. Bungle, before they got too weird, and mm -hmm. they're good. They have a song called G.I. Joe as well, which is G-I-E-Y-E. Joe, that makes that makes me happy. Oh, I love that song. Yeah, um, yeah just like Greg said, they're <laughs> they're as as far against the grain as you could possibly want from a band, and uncompromising. You know, never to censor themselves. So, uh, a band that I think everyone should be listening. Cool. And when you're done listening to it, you should check out a book. Rob, what book should they check out? You should. Because those things are totally related. Yes, they 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 are. I actually was very delighted to find out it, it came out a couple of months ago and I read it, but it's the third and final book in the red sister trilogy by Mark Lawrence. And I know I've talked about the red sister, the, the previous books in the trilogy before it's, 
You have. It's a really what's that? You have. I remember. I, I have. Yeah, it's absolutely. A, and those were, I believe, included in in your like books year of the year. and reviews. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's exciting. They're they're really great books. Really great, strong female lead character for those who are looking for that. This this book changes a little bit from the others in that. In the writing, it jumps around a lot on the timeline. Like you'll do a chapter and it'll be present day, and then you'll read a chapter and it's nine months ago. And then you'll read a chapter and it's present day, and then you'll read a chapter that's nine months ago. So that kind of messed me up a little bit. It took a little bit of getting used to. The but the story is still very well, very well written. I I love the characters. I get in I get invested in the story. It wrapped up the story very nicely. I like where it ended, even though some of it was sad, some of it wasn't. He's he's just re- he's a good author, and I've I've read several of his books. So if you're looking for something good to read, I highly recommend checking out the Red Sister trilogy. The first book being Red Sister, second book being Gray Sister, and the third book is called Holy Sister. Now, Rob, did you listen to these? I did. Okay, and how how, would, how do you feel about the uh, performances? the The narrator is good. The mm. narrator isn't as good as some of the other books that I've read. Like the narrator for the Land series is amazing, and I think they okay. actually have more than one person who does it. But the narrator for the Land series is amazing, and that's one of the things that kept me coming back to the Land was that the the narrator is just so good and it's so engrossing. I have read books where the narrator just completely turns me off and I've had to shut the book off and I can't I can't listen to the rest of it. But then I've had some where the narrator just absolutely makes the book. This one kind of falls in the middle. The narrator is good, but she's not over the top or he's not over. I, see, I don't even remember if it's a guy or a girl. I think it's a, it is a girl. So there's so much theming going on in this episode. Can't remember if it's a guy or a girl talking about genitals, mutilated genitals. <laughs> There's an album by Dog Fashion Disco called Mutilated Genitals. There's I was trying to find the the common thread throughout this episode and I found it by accident. I I don't know. I don't know if we've gotten there yet. Yeah, one of my my favorite uh parts of the Dog Fashion Disco song is uh Don't fall asleep or we'll mutilate your genitals. I believe I've said that on the you podcast have. before. Wait, were 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 they recently arrested? <laughs> That's why he said it's their last remake, not because they've stopped, but oh. because they're all in prison for doing things to their wives. Check out the Flavor. new Dog Fashion Disco album, Flailing Appendage. <laughs> <laughs> There's the title of the episode. Let's not do Flailing that while appendage. I'm drinking coffee. <laughs> Okay, Rob, continue. Sorry, I, I apologize. Your fault. Uh, well, no, that, 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 that'll pretty much wrap it up. It's 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 wrap a it like I said, it's a like I said, it's a it's a culmination of the story, and he ties up all the loose ends. the The story and then throws engrossing. it into a field in Manassas, Virginia. Yes, that's exactly what happened. Yes, very engrossing. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Be- feeds it to the dogs. Um, so I, I highly recommend it if you're looking for something and you like that kind. Um, I guess I should review basically what the what the series is about. The series is about follows Nona, who is a inductee into the church. The church, she's a nun, and in this world, nuns are essentially like warrior monks, like the Shaolin monks. 
And they have several different roles. There's the Red Sisters, which are the warrior monks, the Gray Sisters, which are the Sisters of Discretion, meaning the the spy arts and stuff. And then the Holy Sisters, which are, of course, the sisters who follow the path or their version of of the greater powers. So it's it's I, I just I, I really enjoyed it. And if if you're looking for something fun, kind of sci fi, it's 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 worth your time. I kind of like the idea of badass nuns. It, you, I, I really think you'd like it if you checked it out. I have a friend whose mom was. There's, there's not a ton of of characters. I don't think. I mean, you just have to know the the kids that she does that she has classes with, because the the story is set on the planet of Abeth, which is basically an ice planet. Mm-hmm. But the moon basically focuses the sun's rays into a thin line around the equator, and that's the habitable habitable portion of the planet. So there's there's this ring around the planet that gets melted every night as the sun's rays are focused and the planet turns, you know oh, what okay. I mean? So it's it's a neat concept and it's 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 a good story. I think you'd like it cool. if you checked it Thank out. You. I do I do like good world building. And the third thing in our cavalcade of entertainment is going to be a little TV show that our boss, at least mine and Jimmy's boss, came in to our classroom today and <laughs> talked about and He's Greg like, immediately show. started watching. It's true. I kicked everyone out of the room. I'm like, We're, okay, yeah, class over. He's like, I have something that I think you guys would like. I was like, yeah, what is it? And he said something called the Battle of the 80s Supercars. It is a History Channel show, about two hours long. And you can watch it um, on History Channel online or on uh, streaming, like pay, or not pay for view, the uh, on-demand. In this show, it is hosted by David Hasselhoff and Kit. I'm pretty sure I thought it was the same voice as Kit, but I'm not sure if that guy is still alive. But um, basically what they did was they had a bunch of stories about different like vehicles and technological advances, like a, you know, a, a car that's bulletproof, like completely bulletproof, but it's for like regular consumption or a super fast car or a car that can go on ground or underwater and stuff like that. So they had all these stories and what they did was they kind of bookended it with clips and conversation about Kit and all of the awesome 80s cars that we grew up loving. Because I think that the 80s was really that time period where everything was based, all the TV shows that all of us kids love were based on some sort of vehicle, right? So like the, you know, Mm -hmm. Kit or... Airwolf. Yeah, Airwolf, the Chips motorcycles, the van from the A-Team, the Ecto-1. Ghostbusters. Yep, Ecto-1. All of that stuff. It was all based on a vehicle, and then, you know, we all wanted to get the big wheels and the Hot Wheels and the Legos. Well, the Legos for that back then, but the G.I. Joe toys and all that. Anyway. My friend had a Ghostbusters big wheels, and it pissed me off because it took up the whole sidewalk. But it was pretty uh, cool because it had the little pack on the back. So anyway, in this thing, they, they basically, uh, David Hasselhoff calls into a radio show via kit. And he's like, and the radio show is talking about the best 80s cars. And Eric Estrada is a host on the show. It's kind of like a cheesy, but it's fun. And no one's mentioning Kit. No one's mentioning Kit. So Hasselhoff gets pissed off. And it's very tongue in cheek. Where like, even when they put like Hasselhoff on the screen, it says his name. And instead of saying like, you know, 80s TV star, it says something like, uh, you know who he is. And then like, at one point they talk about how Kit was scared of water, which I'd forgotten about. And he's like, yeah. He's like, I like water. And, and Kit's like, and little red bathing suits. <laughs> mm. It's like, it's like nice. They they even threw a little jab in there about Baywatch, which was kind of cool. I like water. <laughs> and then, uh, so what else? They got uh, 
they end up, he challenges uh, Eric Estrada to a race. So it's Kit versus the Chips motorcycle. And I guess Eric Estrada can't really find a motorcycle, blah, 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 blah. And then they run into Dirk Benedict, who is face from the A-team. So the A-team van gets involved. And they just show all these kind of cool cars. It's a, it's just a fun way of showing off these cool cars. It's, you know, it's worth an hour and a half of your life. And honestly, the thing I liked the best about it was it gave you really good like, close-up shots of what the inside of Kit looked like. So you got to see all the buttons again and not how things work, but like they, they showed all these things I haven't seen in years. So I suggest finding it if you liked the old 80s stuff. It's a good little memory boost for you to uh, check out. Right on. Heck yeah. I am honored to introduce our final topic of the evening, and that is my choice for our summer throwback series of movies that take place in the summer. I chose Sleepaway Camp. You're welcome, America. (laughs) And the 80s. So summer and the 80s. Yes. So far. Released on November 18th of 1983, the movie was written and directed by Robert Hiltzik of... Sleepaway Camp 2, 3, and I think Return to Sleepaway Camp fame. It stars Felissa Rose as the titular character, Angela, Jonathan Tiersten as Ricky, and guys, James Earl Jones's father, Robert Earl Jones as Ben. (laughs) And when I was watching this movie, I was like, holy shit, is that that James Earl Jones? (laughs) Yeah, it's his dad in one of his. As soon as um, the, uh, as soon as you hear the voice, you're like, oh, yep. Yeah, can research get on that and find out what year he passed? Because that may have been one of his final roles. That'd be a shame. What a way to go out! After a tragic, <laughs> tragic, mark that too. I can't talk. After a tragic accident at Camp Arawak, Art <laughs> Robert I'm, I'm Earl Jones. I'm sorry. Was an American actor and prize fighter, mm-hmm. and. Uh, he was he passed in 2006. Wow! But he was in uh, the Staying Trading Places Cotton Club, Witness, and most importantly, he played Sleepaway a camp. pedophile kitchen staff worker. Uh, no, he was not. He did not disagree. <laughs> I, I have the clip. You'll see. Let, let's, yeah, let's he he didn't stop. Yeah, sure, got it. So after a tragic accident at Camp Arawak. Aunt Martha prepares Little Ricky and Angela for summer at the same camp, uh, which I am just going to refer to henceforth as Camp Feathered Hair. <laughs> okay, now, so, fair enough. So wait, let, let's let we we got to talk a few about some of the opening stuff here. So okay, the movie opens with um, what's her name? So there's a cold open, yeah, of a father and his two. Twin children mm-hmm. playing around on like a, a windboard as they are wont to do in the eighties, and of course mm-hmm. the the unattended campers. I guess they're they're on a family vacation near this camp. There are campers going around on a on a speedboat and water skiing. The kids delicately push their father by sneaking up to on him and saying, "I forget the term that he uses, like you rascals or something like that." Yeah, very very delicately. They touch. They, it's like they, they yeah. They like <laughs> they don't even like they touch. brush it's... some fuzz off of his back and he falls in, flipping mm-hmm. the whole boat, and they're in the water, and of course they get run over by the speedboat and the horrified girl who's like attached to the back of it on skis. Yes. Screams for like forty five minutes. Yes. Yes. 
I mean, they they come oh to this. Oh my god! Someone help them, please! Oh, like, why? Shut up! And they cut. Yeah, they someone cut to run over that camp, kid. Like eight years later, she's still screaming. They should yeah. have circled back around and ran her over. Now, here's the question, and this it does go mm-hmm. back to a couple. I, I've seen this conversation a lot. Sure. What is the re- the relationship between all of these people? Not the the skier. We know they're just random people. So the the dad. And his two mm-hmm. kids, so they're obviously father and son. The guy on the beach, and then there's the woman that that ends up with one of the kids because of the accident, right? So how I mm-hmm. how are I think I think the gist that I got, especially from that one weird scene in the middle of the movie, the gist I got was that the guy in the water was the father. The right. guy on the beach was the father's boyfriend. Yes. The father's gay. And lovers. then the this two- movie was way ahead of its time in nineteen eighty three. Yeah, and then the two kids were the mm-hmm. guy in the water's kids, yes, I guess yes. from a previous marriage, and then the mother, who I guess is the the weird the weird drag queen lady who's in the next scene, <laughs> Aunt Cause, Martha. Yeah, because I swear to God, I first saw the movie, and I thought my apologies to Desiree Gould, but I thought she was a drag queen. I did as well. She had I, I had she had like large hands. She had large hands, and she had a face that looked like she was a man. And I had to look it up. I thought, I swear to God, I thought she was a drag queen. I was like, oh, no, okay, all right. But I think that's what it was. The The two kids were his. The one surviving kid was sent to live with Aunt Martha, who was the dad's sister. Yeah. So, yes. so there's no conversation at all about the kid's actual mother. Correct. No. Yeah. That- yeah, there is not. So it's kind of weird that the kids get sent off. So we can assume that the kid's mother actually passed away or it was just – but yeah okay or maybe she was addicted to crack cocaine i mean it was the 80s yeah she's addicted to crack cocaine and then wrote a movie about uh camp with the murderer yeah okay so so, so we're past that without yeah without what? context uh that acting performance greg i i believe you have a little taste, yeah, of, so, uh, so taste of that for us it so. does cut away from this to a scene that looks like community it looks like community theater and sounds like community theater sure. And, totally does. And, um, well, we'll just, this is Aunt Martha for you. Hurry, sweeties! We don't want to be late for the boss! Goodness, no. That wouldn't do at all. Richard, Angela! Oh, here you are! There you go. Yeah. And I don't understand, because that entire scene where she's talking to the kids, I'm like, why is she yelling? Like, even when the kids come downstairs, she's still yelling uh, at them. That's I'm because like, she's psychotic. Yeah. But you don't know that at this point. No. Clearly something's amiss. Um, it's it's like the actress was given the cues. It's like, okay, look, remember later yeah. in the movie, you're, you're, it's going to reveal that you're kind of psychotic. Run with that. And she's like, okay. And she, she went from, you know, five, like a level five would have been psychotic enough. And she went to about a 15. So... For some reason, but um, also with the overacting of commu- that community theater implies, yes, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, like somebody who's trying way too hard. Yes, yeah. Uh, for some reason, there's the issue of a physical being doctored for the uh, for the children so that they can uh, they can go to the camp, and um, I guess we'll get to the reason for that later. Um, because it's actually a very interesting thread for for as. And I totally mm-hmm. forgot about that. For as ham-handed as some of the stuff is, there's actually quite a few threads when you see it twice in the same year. Thank you, Jimmy. <laughs> You're welcome. 
Sure. I, I actually watched this movie about like right around Christmas time when we were doing our Christmas horror movie cavalcade. And so I've, Cause yeah, it's totally a Christmas. Well, movie. I was just look, I was watching like cheesy. <laughs> I, I got in a hooked on cheesy horror movies. So, mm-hmm. so anyway, yeah, so we, we the crazy aunt. There's, there's now a, another character introduced. I forget his name, but he's Angela's cousin who's very protective of Angela. Cause she is. Yeah. That's Ricky. Yeah, Ricky or yeah. Richard. Uh, yeah. Mini Ralph Macchio. Um, he is very protective. He's got all the fire that the Karate Kid has. <laughs> it's a little firecracker. His uh, mute cousin, who isn't really mute, like she stops talking for a little while and then just does, and no one makes a big deal out of it. She just yeah. kind of looks at everyone with these big, like, dark eyes. Yeah. This... She she doesn't say anything until, like, halfway through the movie, and then everybody's mm-hmm. like, oh, all right, cool, she does talk. Oh, la, 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 la. It's like, bro, she hasn't <laughs> said shit in, like, two hours. What is Potentially eight years. <laughs> Yeah, after uh, after Ralph gets uh, you know snuggles up with Angela and talks to her and says good night, as Ralph's walking away, Angela says good night, and he goes good night, yeah, and just runs away. I'm like, <laughs> man, oh boy. So that's just the start, Rob. I I believe you uh, took some notes about this. Movie, I t- so. I took a shitload of notes. Let me. Uh, I was like, "Are you effing yeah. kidding me?" Let me let me kind of set this up real All quick right. for us. Um, Angela and Ricky arrive at the camp. Angela is immediately picked out as being weird. Uh, Ricky is a camp veteran. Mm-hmm. He uh, was close to uh, Judy the previous yeah. year. Apparently, her boobs. Grew. Um, I saw that. Yes, and she's uh, and she's now a total bitch. Yes. Uh, so Angela picked on Greg. You said it earlier. Ricky is very defensive and, and always kind of comes to, to take her, uh, to defend her whenever she's being picked on. So let's get into it, Rob. I, I really want to know what you picked out. Yo, you want, you want me to, I, I can just take you down the, cause I wrote my notes in order. I can just take down the whole movie here and then you Dude. can stop and explain stuff. Well, you, you can stop and explain things that you think you need to, but okay. Okay. So they get to camp and, you know, they're saying hello to everybody. And then almost immediately we're introduced to this weird pedophile guy. Okay. So let, I, I got a clip here. So you guys aren't going to believe this out there. If you've never seen this movie, uh, the kitchen staff is like basically in a receiving line waiting for these buses to pull up and all these kids that are probably about 11, 12, 13 years old. Right? <laughs> like, like, like in every movie when new inmates arrive at a prison and all yes. of the inmates are lined up going, uh-huh. hey, fish, fresh fish. <laughs> Yeah, so, so here's the conversation. I've got a clip of it. Look at all that young, fresh chicken. Where I come from, we call them baldies. Makes your mouth water, don't it? Oh, they are too young to even understand what's on your mind. Then, good buddy, there ain't no such thing as being too young. You're just too old. <laughs> and that's so. James Earl Jones that's too old, but I know you recognize that voice. Yeah, that's his, James Earl Jones' his father. father. Yeah, I know, but that was the one where I was like, "Wait, is that is that James so, so Jones?" Yeah, yeah, you don't protest that weekly if you're not. Yeah, see, like, yeah, creepy. Uh, these kids were young, mm-hmm. <laughs> and that was like, it was like, what the, what the yeah, heck? made like, me that movie super that uncomfortable. Never ever fly in movies today. No, <laughs> like uh, the yeah, you have to cut out the part where the the forty five year old chef is oogling the ten year old. Yeah, yeah. And talking basically about their pubic hair, really. And so, and so we find out that Angela doesn't really talk a whole lot, mm-hmm. and 
And it, it brings up a weird situation where she's not really eating and this overly concerned camp counselor, who I'm pretty sure was put in the movie just because of his package in those tight shorts, because <laughs> he doesn't really do much. He's a, he's a very well-meaning young man. Very well-meaning young man who's got John muscles. Travolta-esque hair. Yeah, coming out of his ears. Um, but he spends the entire movie in, like, skin-tight T-shirts and those the probably the smallest guy's 80s shorts they can find. It was yep, it was almost that. obscene how much penis was in this movie, even though there was very little actual penis being shown in the movie. Yeah, the for some reason I think it, the penises would have been less prevalent if the guys weren't wearing shorts. Yeah, like you could see everything. It was horrifying. Yeah, every time somebody got up from a a bench, I was like, oh god, no, so, it's coming out. I actually wrote down just like you're looking at notes. I wrote down so many penis outlines. Dot dot dot. Yeah. And what sucked and, is since I was writing notes, I had to like consistently like rewind to like mm-hmm. see what I missed somehow. And I always ended More up penis. rewinding right back to, yeah. More penis. Mm-hmm. So, so he takes her back into the, he's like, oh, she's not eating. Let's get her, let's get, you know, something special for her that maybe she'll eat. So he takes her back to the pedophile chef and is like, make her something nice. I gotta go. <laughs> and like, he puts his can of Miller High Life away. <laughs> And so, so the guy is like, "Hey, I think I got something real good for you." And let let's go back there. And I'm like, "Wait, what? Nobody? Okay, hold on." <laughs> so, long story short, he takes her back there. He starts. Oh God, he, no! <laughs> he threatens. He threatens to rape her. Basically, he's got her cornered in the walk-in, and he's unbuttoning his pants. And Ricky walks in. I don't know how the hell Ricky knew where they were, but Ricky walks in and the guy's like, you didn't see nothing. You hear me? And then he lets him go. And I'm like, I am a man who will fight for your honor. Exactly. Exactly. So, so like, we're not even 15 minutes into the movie. We've already had the first rape attempt. So we are now actually two for two on accident on picking movies with rape scenes that I didn't remember in either of them. Yes. Yeah, I didn't either. <laughs> oh, this gets sorry. Dark quick. And so, and so we we get to the we get to this next scene, and I swear to God, the first thing I thought was, "Holy shit, is that pot normal for camp?" I swear to God, the pot was like six feet tall. Did you see that? <laughs> it, was, it was a corn boiling pot. I was like, "What the fuck is that?" It's like the entire budget. Like, we need a pot, and then it brought like a big one. It's like, no, bigger. <laughs> so, so literally, the guy has got the pot boiling on the stove, and he's it's obviously filled with water because he's planting a boiling corn in it. And he's he's like, is it boiling yet? And I'm like, dude, that pot's like six feet tall. That's not going to boil for like three months. What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> and so the guys with blow torches on the side. Yeah, so he's, he's got this. <laughs> he's he's got this pot on the stove, and he's literally got to stand on top of a chair to pull the lid off the pot to look in. I'm like, oh my god, really? And so James Earl Jones's dad goes for firewood or some shit. I don't even know what the hell he left for. But the guy is like, oh yeah, it's almost ready to boil. And he's standing on the chair and he's like starting to drop little corn in it, you know, the corn in it. And he's like, oh, and so we have our first murder attempt. Somebody who you can't see comes up and grabs the chair and pulls it. And he's like, oh, what are you doing? And he's like, oh, 
it's you. And it's like, okay, so it's somebody he knows. What are you doing? Don't do that. Don't pull the chair. And they pull it again, and he falls and grabs the shelf that's above the pot. And I'm like, or dude, just step just down get off the, the chair. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, just get off the chair, dude. What are you doing? Well, we have, we've <laughs> noticed that in this movie that even the most tiny of pushes will cause someone to comically fall into whatever body of water is in front yeah, of them. Well, and the, and there's a, a rascal. And there's a murder later that happens where the guy does absolutely nothing to stop it. <laughs> I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> um, but so, so they, long story short, he pulls the, the chair is pulled out from under this guy. He grabs the pot, the pot falls down on top of him and he gets like fourth degree burns like all over his body. And he's just, he's just laying there with his fingers curled up, just screaming. For like five minutes. And that's exactly and the, what it sounds like. And, and, and this is the part that I was like, what the F? Because James Earl Jones's dad comes back in and it's like, <laughs> It was like he opened the door and they had a little X on the floor for him to run to, stop, turn around and look, and then just gawk at the camera. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> because I swear to God, he it's like he walks into the room and he's like staring at the floor and he turns and he gets to his spot. And then he literally turns and looks at the camera and is like, <gasps> just with this shocked face. And he does nothing but stand there and gawk for like three minutes. I'm like this, bad. this movie would have been like an like a half hour shorter if they'd have just cut those scenes down a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but this this is literally where the movie should have ended. Literally, right here is where the movie should have ended because the guy isn't dead and he's not unconscious as they're taking him away. Yeah, I had the same thought. I'm like, like, why don't you just tell them who tried to kill you? The he cop obviously is right there. saw, yeah, he saw and recognized that person, but for some reason didn't say it was so and so. Right. I think everyone before and they he, die is like, it's you. Right. And he's, but everybody else, everybody else in the movie is actually dead. This guy isn't dead and he's not unconscious as they're taking him away. I'm like, why would you not be like, where is that person? Blah, blah, blah. They tried to kill me. I'm like, really? So that's literally where the movie should have ended. <laughs> but no, it did yeah, not. Pretty much. And we're only about 15 no, minutes no. in. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. Uh, the murders don't stop at Camp No, I do want, want to. We're going to make fun of this movie a lot. However, a there's, lot. it is a cult classic. And that the pustules and the bubbling up and all that stuff actually look pretty good. And it was a practical effect. Yeah, they the, did. The, the practical effects were actually And this really movie, good. just to, to be clear, I, I did uh, take a moment and watch and listen to the uh, like the DVD extras. They were, someone posted them online. Uh, this movie was made for $350,000, and it made $10 million in its theater run. So it's definitely made its money back. Um, it is kind of funny that it's mm-hmm. on YouTube for free out there if you guys want to watch it. Because mm-hmm. usually movies, yeah. they'll, if, if, the, if the, any distributor cares, they'll pull it off YouTube in like moments. But anyway... Uh, they said that when they did any of these practical effects, they had enough money to do it once. There was no cutting. There was no changing anything. That's it. So they had to do that with that. Nice. And you saw the actual blisters and stuff get worse over time. So it was actually pretty impressive. Yeah. So Chef Rapey so, is dead. Well, not dead. He's, yeah, he's, no, uh, he's not dead wounded. yet. Badly wounded. Warrior is about yes. to die. Um, that guy so, is not a warrior. So we're going to move on. more likely to be the we're, turkey leg you find. 
we're going to move on from the corn silo <laughs> and um <laughs> and and now we're now we're playing a a baseball game or something uh, about 15 minutes of baseball yeah you do, wait is it you just don't like baseball or you don't even know what it is <laughs> me no 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 i no no what i'm saying is is there there's there's not a lot of segue and now we're yeah. playing now we're playing baseball and we get what is essentially a hell of a catch because this kid is standing in the outfield playing a computer game. Yeah. One of those ones that was like on a calculator. Yeah. And the ball is hit at him and he's just playing his computer game. And they're like, Hey Johnny. And he's like, what? And he looks up and he's like, Oh my God. And he drops the computer game, stuffs his glove back on his hand and then chases the ball down. I'm like, you go boy. You could have played the majors. Holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of impressive. And he's supposed to be the nerd. Yeah. <laughs> really? Yeah, it's like, wait, oh, okay, now we have like, oh, we're having 15 minutes of a serious baseball competition now. Yeah. Okay, and, sure, why not? And I don't know if you guys caught it, but did you did you see that you kid? Did. did you see that kid wearing the Cobra Kai shirt? I did not. There was a kid, I swear to God, in one of the group scenes, he was wearing a shirt that had the giant snake logo that Cobra Kai uses. But this movie came out a year before Karate Kid. <laughs> and way ahead of its time. Because I, saw, I I was watching that scene and I'm like, holy shit, is it is that a Cobra Kai shirt? <laughs> it was hilarious. Stop. All right. So, so continuing with Rob's disbelief here. <laughs> this is almost turning into a rant, but it's it's hilarious. So we move on from the baseball game. The I guess the campers one. And beat the counselors. Yeah, yes. the counselors weren't really happy about it. It's it, there was there was a little more aggression between the campers and the counselors that more so than most eighties camp movies. Yeah, and it was like the camp the counselors were trying to hurt the campers. I was like, what? <laughs> yeah. So it wasn't like we're gonna prank you. It was like we're gonna we might almost kill you. Yeah, we're yeah. gonna break your ankle. And I don't I don't remember what happened or what led to this, but the next thing that I have notes on is, you know, we've had a little bit more of the movie, but the next kill is what I have my notes on. And one of the counselors takes takes a girl out in the boat in a canoe mm-hmm. and he's like, "Oh, you know, don't fall in the water." Oh, and she's like, "Why are you being a jerk? Stop being a jerk." Cuz he was like taking her out for a nice canoe ride. He's like, "Is it this nice?" And she's like, "Yeah, it's nice." And he's like, "Oh, don't fall in the water, splash." And he tips the canoe over <laughs> like a jackass. Yeah. Like, Watch out doing? for the, the lake snakes or whatever. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So so then inexplicably, after he flips the canoe over, the girl swims off. And he's like, oh, well, I'm just going to swim up under here in the canoe and just talk to myself. I'm like, what? <laughs> what uh, his name is Kenny. What okay. are you wondering? Doing? <laughs> and he just swims under the canoe and he's like, Oh, hello, hello. And he's like, <laughs> he's like amused with his echo in the canoe. Oh, do you hear that? I don't hear that. What are, and my, my note is, who the fuck is he talking to? <laughs> uh, himself. <laughs> and I'm like, it does, just, it, it, they were trying to put him there so that they could kill him without anybody seeing it, basically. And that was the only thing they could come up with. Let's have him swim underneath the canoe and be intoxicated with his own voice and the echo. Yeah. Like like freaking Sloth when he climbs down into the fireplace because <laughs> he hears his voice in the fireplace. Mm-hmm. That oh was a Goonies reference. They killed Kenny. Yes. That was did. a South Park reference. You bastards. <laughs> so 
so this is this is the kill I was talking about, where the guy does literally nothing to prevent him from being killed. Mm-hmm. Like like the killer surfaces underneath the canoe with him. Who knows how they got all the way out there without anybody seeing? The killer is not a very big human, by the way. Right, and and nobody saw them swimming out to the canoe, right? So they they pop their head up, and he's like, "Hey, what are you doing here?" And I swear to God, the 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 killer just kind of floats closer to him, grabs his shoulders, and pushes him under. And he's like, "What are you doing?" Ah, and throws his <laughs> arms up. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, "Wait a minute, there's no bottom. Yeah. All you do is just." Go underneath the water and swim away. You, oh, goes down without a fight. He's just like, err. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> oh, so of course they find his body the next morning, and you know everybody, everybody's like, oh, there's a killer on the loose. It's it's ridiculous, and 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 in comes the owner of the camp. Who is oh, now God. who is now very distraught that that all this shit is happening at his camp. Oh, it's gonna ruin me. And <laughs> he literally talks talking to the to the ME, the the or the coroner or the medical exam, whoever the hell it is. And he's like, Oh, this wasn't and he tells him basically what killed him. And it's like, dude, that's what? That's not your job. What are you talking about? <laughs> And then, and then the the coroner's like, "Well, yeah, I guess that could have happened." And it's like, "Are you mm. serious?" <laughs> yeah, just what? an accident. Nothing to see here. Yeah. Oh, it was an accident. I, I like love how the, can you... the the puffy, bloviating like rich guy owner in every movie, like every eighties movie. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna yeah. be ruined. Who's like who's like eighty? Yeah. And <laughs> it's being hit again. on by one of the one of the twenty year old camp counselors. I'm he, like, he, what? Yeah, he I looked like that a slightly less ancient Milton Burl. That's true. Yeah, he was very. He definitely was giving a very strong Milton Burl vibe. By the way, just yes. r- real quick before we continue, did any of you guys actually do sleepaway camp or a camp like this in your life? I did. I, I did, but not in that setting. I went to a summer camp at the University of Virginia. Okay. Yeah, I, I did as well. It was there. outside of Pittsburgh, and there was. There was like a YMCA area, which was like a building and stuff. And then there was like the woods area. And I fucking hated it because of being the nerdy guy that wouldn't have caught the ball when it was coming towards me and getting tormented. as So it like this, I, this movie totally made me go back and like look up that camp on Google Maps and see what it looked like now. And it looked almost exactly the same. I, I did a couple of, of sleepaway stuff, but it was only like one night. Gotcha. It was it was only like a one night camp where we did. So we went up there for the day. We spent the night there, did a little bit more in the morning, and then we came home. Gotcha. So it was like a weekend kind of. Yeah, thing. it was. Kind of, I mean, I don't. I think during the week I did that, but occasionally the weekend it was like we did some Boy Scout stuff and whatever. Okay, sorry. Continue. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> go on with the the wonderfulness that is sleepaway camp. So so he's <laughs> making pronouncements to the to the coroner, and the coroner is like, "Oh well, yeah, I guess that could happen." And it's like, "Are are you serious right now? And and the guy and like we said, the guy looks like he's like eighty. And apparently, there's like a twenty year old camp counselor who's totally digging him. And I'm like, really? Okay. This yeah, movie was Meg. This movie wasn't creepy enough, but all right. And Meg is yeah. the camp counselor who's in charge of Angela's bunk. Yeah, bunk house or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, it, I some more stuff happens. Yeah, Meg's a real jerk. 
Meg's a jerk and Ricky is like trying to get her to come down and hang out and have some fun to just to loosen up. And in this next scene, I I had to stop. I was like, wait, what? What is what is going on here? Because as Ricky and Angela are walking up to where they want to go, they're showing this scene of a water balloon fight. And I'm like, oh, they're playing (laughs) with water balloons. And then I'm like, wait, are they? Yes, they are, Rob. They're you never the, played rooftop water roof. balloon fight? No, these guys were having a water balloon fight on the roof of one of the cabins. I'm like, what in the hell is going on? Well, you get enough dudes together, inevitably they end up on the roof. Like, when I was in a fraternity, if you left enough dudes around with enough alcohol, there was, there was going to be at least 10 to 15 people on the roof. Maybe not with right. water balloons. But these are 12-year-olds. Yeah, well. And... And nobody at the camp boys was like, boys. nobody at the camp was like, hey, no, 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 guys, that's not safe. Come down, come down. No, what are you doing? No, no, stop it. But they're up there just throwing water balloons, running around. And nobody. Well, if they <laughs> fell off, their fall would be broken by the pile of corpses. So they're okay. Apparently. Squish. Apparently. Okay, we're good. So, I mean, it is just absolutely ridiculous what is going on at this camp. And, and. You know, they, they've got to go play another baseball game because the counselors were, were mad. Yeah, but there, there's one guy that isn't, that he has to wait to get to the baseball game. We gotta take a wicked dump first. So I'll see you guys down there, right? There you go. Yeah. <laughs> wicked dump. And I, and I, I, I totally have forgotten what all of these people have done to deserve being killed. Signed up to be in this movie. <laughs> um, I mean, I know that none of the people in this movie were, 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 were redeeming characters and they all were like jerks and, and oh wait, I think this guy was the one that hit Angela with the water balloon, wasn't he? Yeah, maybe. When she was walking up to the cabin? Yeah, I think so. I don't remember what Kenny did, though. So. But either way, so yeah. So he goes to take a dump, a wicked dump, and the killer slides a broomstick in in the the handle so that the the stall won't open. <laughs> Cuz you then, know, you couldn't slide underneath the door or anything. Exactly, exactly. And then sneaks around the back of the of the of the crapper cuts open the screen and drops like a baseball sized beehive into the bathroom with him. And I swear to God, I think these things were killer bees. Yeah. Dude, messed up. I guess the, the damage that was done to this guy was, it, it was like the bees had eaten him. I was like, what, what happened? <laughs> uh, Kenny, if you recall, uh, Kenny berated Angela for being uh, so quiet uh-huh. after inviting her to uh, go skinny dipping. With and and Angela never takes off her clothes. Mm-mm. In fact, she gets bullied about that. Yep. And she about did. not taking showers with the rest of them. Again, mm-hmm. most likely 15. Just saying. <laughs> so this guy's been eaten alive by bees because these these bees were monster bees. <laughs> So, so we've got another death and now, now everything is just starting to unravel. It's, it's ridiculous. And I know I've skipped a whole lot of crap in this movie, but, but I'm like, oh my God. And, and so everything is starting to unravel. Um, the, the camp, the counselors are preparing for a night off. So Meg arranges a date with, uh, Burl Ives and, <laughs> oh God, <laughs> Meg arranges for a date with Burl Ives and she's got to go shower. So she's, and, and she's 
previously tried to drown Angela because she doesn't even know if Angela can swim. So she just mm-hmm. picks her up. She's like, you're going in the water. And she picks her up and walks out to the end of the dock and just throws Angela in the water. And it's like, what? Yeah. Wait, as, it, as- it, it, it occurs to me that Angela flailing around, we're not really spoiling too much here, but she can clearly swim because yes. of the, the previous scene. <laughs> yes. But there's yes. that very, very frustrating part where the head of the camp is keeping Angela's cousin from going to save her. He's like, she can't swim. And he's like, I don't care. You're the killer. I knew yeah. it was you. Yeah, I know you're the killer. You're trying to ruin me. Blah, 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 blah. So. Because he's he's still convinced that Ricky is the killer. Because Ricky's always coming to Angela's defense. And the people who pick on Angela are turning up dead. Mm-hmm. So in the next scene, Meg's got to go take a shower to prep for her date with... with um you know, father Christmas. And, and, um, so the showers are all taken and there's a line at the showers. So she's like, are the, are the showers next door still on? And she's like, yeah. And the, the assistant counselor's like, I think so. So Meg goes over there to take a shower by herself in an abandoned cabin. Always a good idea when there's great a great idea. Yeah. Yeah. Always a fantastic idea when there's a she's killer got plans list. with Walter Matthau later and she needs to get ready. She does. She does. And, and so she's in there showering, you know, just kind of, I don't even know what the hell that tune was. Just humming. It, it was like they told her to hum something and she had no idea what to hum. So she was just making noise. <laughs> Am I wrong? I mean, I, I was like, what, what, what is she? She was just going, you don't know that song. <laughs> and I'm like, what the fuck? song. <laughs> It couldn't sound like anything because they didn't have the money to pay for anything. Like, well, you acted exactly saying happy birthday. Shit. And and so Meg is then dispatched by them ramming a knife through the the hard cardboard or the hard wall or whatever that is used for the shower. Now I I understand that they're like shower stalls and they're probably the walls probably aren't very thick. But as as they were showing the knife being drugged down the shower wall, it sure looked like it was fairly thick and would have probably prevented them from actually cutting all the way down Meg's back. And and I think that Meg probably would have jumped off the knife the first time that she got stabbed with it. Sure. But, you know, whatever. It was so, a, it was a very quintessential eighties slasher movie murder. The yeah, knife through the yeah. wall is is a good one. So Meg is now dead. She's been stabbed in the back, and she's had a big slice cut down her back because they just drug the knife down the wall, and Meg stayed up against the wall so that they could cut her. So Meg's gone, and and she's she's missing her date with um, I I can't even come Mel up with her name for him. <laughs> <laughs> She's missing her date with Mel Torme. <laughs> and so he starts looking for her, right? And the the counselors all got the night off except for one guy who's got to take some 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 campers um out into the woods for a night of camping. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and again, with a killer on the loose, that sounds like a fantastic idea. And two of the campers yeah, decide that yeah. this is just not for them. They're, they're too cold. They want to go back. They want to go back. And the counselor is like, what do you want? We want to go back. I'm so cold. Please, please. I'm so cold. And they sounded just like friends who were just murdered. Shop and make s'mores. And so, and so the counselor's like, all right, fine. Get in the car. And the two kids who are awake get in the car and he gets up and he stares at the other four who are still sleeping. And it just leaves him there. I'm like, wait a minute. 
happened? What? You're just going to leave four kids asleep in the woods and drive away? It's a different time. How is that a good idea? Well, we already determined that those other kids were being really annoying. (laughs) Oh, my God. So he gets up and leaves those four kids there and takes the other two back. And then in the meantime, you know, um, (laughs) in the meantime, Burl Ives finds Meg's body, you know, and and my first thought when he found her body was, how the hell is her corpse still standing? Because she literally like jumped out of the shower stall and pulled the curtain down. He didn't, he didn't do anything until, you know, he, he didn't do anything. He just got close to the stall and then she like jumps out face first. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, how was, how was she still standing? The killer took the knife. There was n- literally nothing to hold her to that wall. <laughs> Why was she still standing? <laughs> and so yeah. Meg Jerry is dead. Stiller must have been really and- upset to see that. He he totally was because he followed up the discovery of her body with a monologue, and, and I'm like, and 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 I and actually Jimmy was here watching, uh, not not this Jimmy, but the other Jimmy, um, was watching it with me. And when the guy started talking, Jimmy was like, "Is is he monologuing?" And I'm like, "Holy shit, he is!" <laughs> He's just, and he just he went on like a five minute speech and was just. No, not Meg. Oh, how could it be Meg? I can't believe that, you know, so-and-so would do this. It must be this person. Like, he turned into Aunt Martha or Aunt yeah. Aunt Mary or whatever the hell so, it was. Airing <laughs> of the grievances is what happened there. <laughs> and, and, he, and the creepiest part of it wasn't the monologue. The creepiest part of it was he starts to walk away from her dead body to go find the killer and then pauses and looks back at her. Not in a forlorn way. Kind of looks back at her like a, well, maybe, nah. And then walks off and I'm like, what the hell was that? (laughs) It was like he was considering necrophilia at that moment. I was like, oh my God, what? He determines there's a lot wrong with the movie. I was like, holy holy crap. so then we of, fl- can, I, can I cover the next murder? Is there something you got you got to say before we talk about poor poor sweet Judy? Um, are you talking about the counselor? Yeah, yeah, the smothered with the pillow, and then no, no, not that one. Okay, I've got we'll one go more. We'll, we'll, we'll get to Judy in a moment. So the two annoying kids are gone, and he comes back, and oh look, mm-hmm. we've got four dead oh, yeah, campers! Yeah. <laughs> Surprise! <laughs> Who the hell didn't see that coming? Who, by the way, didn't do anything oh, bad my God. to our killer? No, it's, I it's had all to do unraveling. some research okay. on this. There were three. There were three. three. There were three dead campers. Yeah, I don't know because okay. the official website says there's four. No, mm, I am pretty sure at some point they said I got three dead campers at this campsite. I'm pretty sure there's four in the thing, but we. Are you sure? Are you sure they weren't talking about the three that were actually at the campsite? Because you've got Meg, you've got the Billy and Kenny, the one that Greg's going to talk about, and then you've got the boyfriend. Potentially, but uh, yeah. So let's uh, talk about this horrific next murder, which kind of—I don't think it would be actual death, whatever happens to her. But um, she is one of the other uh, mean girl counselor is Judy, and. 
Wasn't Judy a camper? No, though? Judy was a camper. She was the one that was mm-hmm. dating Ricky last year oh, and then wouldn't gotcha. talk to him at all. Okay. She's a camper. So she, um, well, there's really no other way to say this, but she is smothered with a pillow, but there's also a, um, a hot hair curler, uh, inserted into her vagina. That's, that's really mm-hmm. the way it's gotta be said because that's what happens, but it, it's kind of seen in shadow. Well, they don't really show you what happens. They just leave it up to your imagination where she stuck the hot curling iron because it's one of those like psycho scenes where they show the curling iron up in the air and then they show the curling iron come down and you see Judy's hand go up and curl into the little death fingers. This movie, it's so weird because like they hinted a lot of stuff and they kind of go back and forth with taking things way too far. And then mm-hmm. on other sides of things, not showing certain stuff that they normally would show in a movie. So it's weird. It's like the, it's like they were trying to skirt around censorship in some places and not in others. And I don't know. It's a very strange mm-hmm. movie. Obviously a first time. It is. Matter. Yeah. Uh, and how about that nice porn mustache on the cop at the end? It, I mean, it, it's like, dude, why don't just grow? I mean, it's very obviously a fake mustache. Did you see that? Yeah, you can like see the glue behind it. But what's funny, <laughs> the, the funniest thing about that part is like that is the most extreme close up in the entire movie. It is. And it's like, wait, I can see the glue on that mustache. That thing is fake, man. Mm-hmm. It's funny because I, I actually had I actually had this written down as well. And um, there's an entire website dedicated to uh, like horror memorabilia and yeah. stuff like uh, like basically a uh, uh, it's called uh, Doctor Hump's Curious Collection, so it, you know talks about like, a machete and stuff like is. that. Yeah, so it's uh, one of the curious collection pieces is from Sleepaway Camp. Frank the Cop's mustache. So it's Frank the Cop. Uh, basically, Frank the Cop arrives on the scene after an early murder and talks to camp owner Mel and Ed Counselor Ronnie, and he returns. And then he returns again, and he is of course wearing a fake mustache because the actor apparently had another role. But it was the worst. Oh. Po- like, it's like they went. It, the mustache is of the quality of something that you would see hanging on one of those hooks in like the cereal aisle, like in yes. front of the cereal. Like, yes, in grocery it store. totally is. Uh, oh God. And it's what they, and that's what they decided to do the extreme close up. So good job. Uh, well played yeah. sleepaway camp. Well played. Yes. So re- basically as with a lot of these horror movies, it's kind of works like a real serial killer where they, everything is kind of like shock value, shock value. And then everything goes to shit where, Everyone gets murdered, basically, as they're trying to figure out who did it, it towards the end. So we get, like, another dude that gets shot through the throat with an arrow. Uh, Mel Costa? Is that a dude or a girl? I forget. The, the, the one that – it's a girl, right? She gets – the one that gets the, the arrow in the throat? I don't – This person's name is Mel. I don't remember either. It was a side view. It was actually a pretty good effect, too. It was and a side view. basically, they determine that there's a, a serial killer in the camp, obviously. And, well, Rob, take us away. Oh, well, she's um. We're we're starting to to realize that it, it it's likely Angela who's been doing it all because Ricky has just been beaten up by by the guy who by Burl Ives who insists that he's the one doing all the murders. He's been beaten unconscious and and oh wait, isn't Mel the camp counselor? Wasn't he the one that was killed with the arrow? Because he says, "Oh, it was you." Mm-hmm. Was it him? I think it was him. I don't know. Who cares? Somebody else dies with an arrow through the throat. I think. And, yeah, I think you're right. You're right. And she, um, and she lures the guy who was nice to her, but then kind of cheated on her, but then was nice to her again and wanted to be her boyfriend, and lures him out to the to the beach. So Angela and, does, and that, yeah, that, guy's Angela. Name is, that guy's name is Paul. And he was Lord very Paul. dreamy and very nice. Lures Paul yeah. out to the beach, and then still a little pervy, and then cuts pervy. his head off. 
Well, let, let's talk about this scene real quick. So the, the scene is actually decently framed because they the two counselors, I think the nice guy, the nice buff guy with the the giant penis and small shorts, uh huh, walks up with the girl and they see they're like Angela, are you okay? And she's like kind of she's down on the beach, sitting on the ground. Uh, shirtless but with her back to them cradling paul's head in in her lap with the and his body is there too like it looks mm-hmm. like and she's singing to him and she's like rubbing lovingly on his hair and whatever and then she gets and then she gets up and uh, there's a sequence that is not it's like a dream sequence mm-hmm. yep. of her uh, of angela and her, her brother yeah yes. her brother mm-hmm uh, seeing her father from back in the day making out with another guy, which again, shocking for the time. Yeah. 1983. Mm-hmm. And, and a very weird, and like, a big, big weird sequence. And then there's like a yeah. pointing sequence back and forth. It's like all in like a, it looks like a, again, a community theater, like a black box theater. And they do a thing where basically they show that, that Angela wasn't the female twin. Mm hmm. She was actually the male twin, and the crazy aunt decided to raise her as a boy because she had already had a boy, Ricky. She's like, oh, he'll, he'd be great if he had a sister. Yeah. And they cut back to what's actually you going said, on. You said raise her as a boy. Raise him Other... as a girl. Sorry. Raise him as a Correct. girl. Correct. And they cut back to our regular scene, and she, sta- and she he stands up, turns around. Uh, Paul's head falls off and kind of rolls away. So it turns out that Angela had beheaded him, most likely for figuring out that she was a he, and uh, makes this sound. And uh, here's the counselors determining what's going on and the sound that mm-hmm. Angela is making. Give me chills. And they do a freeze frame, and there it's a full body naked shot when she when she he turns around. There's a penis, penis, and that body is far more muscular than what we've seen from Angela <laughs> yeah, the whole, for the whole movie. Yeah, wearing what actually was a plaster cast of the actress that played Angela over it with a very deformed, crazy mouth open face and big wide eyes and just freeze frames on that and basically stays that way through the entire credits and 10 seconds after the credits mind you um where you see this horrifying face it's now see what what i thought it was because jimmy was telling me that that you looked into it a little bit more but that this this was all practical effects what it looked like to me was it looked like one of those one of those pictures that you get where, you know, they, they put your head on the body of someone else. It looked like that's what they did to me. I thought they had taken her head and just put it on some, on this other body, um, like they would do with, with the pictures. No, it was, a, it was definitely a plastic cast. Um, and I, they, there's pictures of it online and like of the actors mm-hmm. likes to do it and stuff. Uh, this movie has a very big fan following, um, which we'll probably go into right, so I don't ruin like this crazy twist at the end, which may kind of makes the movie. Were, were you surprised, Rob? Have you seen this movie no, before? Not at all, but I've I've heard about it. So oh, okay. I I had heard about it too because I I do a lot of the stuff where it's like you look up the most surprising ending movies, like I said earlier, and I, of course Jimmy knew. Um, but it's still pretty shocking. It's still, ugh. I've seen episodes <laughs> of Robot Chicken where they where they poke fun at it. 
Oh my God, somebody remembered this movie and made a sketch about it. <laughs> movie, it's pretty- uh, there is, as I said, there is a official Sleepaway Camp website, by the way, called oh, wow. sleepawaycampfilms.com, and it has a ton of information on it. Uh, there's also a official Sleepaway Camp wiki, wiki where you could look up all of the stuff that I've been kind of saying, <laughs> like talks about budget, talks about everything you possibly need, which is really nothing, but it talks about everything. So it's fair. It, it's kind of, kind of interesting. Um, now having gone through this movie, I think I, I'm going to talk about the dedication that was at the beginning of the movie. Um, is that, how did you guys watch it? I watched it, I watched it on, on the internet and I know of which you were speaking. I did Amazon Prime. Okay, so I did on Amazon Prime too. And the dedication is at the very beginning of the movie is in fond memory of mom, a doer. Who the hell would dedicate this movie to their mother? <laughs> a doer. And yeah, referring to like, mm. like I, I guess I understand. I want to be a film like someone wants to be a filmmaker for their whole life. They finally make their first movie. Let's dedicate it to mom. But it's just chock full of death and penises. So there was that. The other thing I thought was interesting was the director also actually went to the camp. That, is, that was featured in this movie and then ended up shooting there. So it's in upstate New York somewhere. So what what else you got, guys? If you're in if the mood for a, a campy 80s horror movie. Uh, I see what you did there. Uh, then check out Sleepaway Camp and enjoy. And maybe see the sequels, which apparently star Bruce Springsteen's younger sister, Pamela Springsteen. Really? Yeah, which I didn't even know she existed. There you go. Sleepaway Camp. Uh, that is a movie two of our uh, 80s summer movies. Rob, have you thought about what we're going to do next week by any chance? I have. I don't know if we can find it, so I might have to give you something else if I can't figure out where where it's available. For, for our listeners, what do you think we might be talking about next week? I think we might do an old eighty or an eighties classic that at one point was the most viewed movie on cable television. Uh oh, interesting. And that would that would be the Beastmaster. <laughs> oh dear. Oh boy. I, I always got Beastmaster and Lady Hawk. Hope to see what we can do about that. Nice. Well, this week is going to be a little bit of a different top five question from us because we realized that if we asked the question that we had posed, that all of the lists would be kind of the same. And based on, well, really, since we're doing a lot of 80s stuff recently and the fact that there is a show called Battle of the 80s Supercars, based on an argument about what are the top five or what are the most iconic cars from the 80s, we decided to actually kind of write down the, the top five supercars or iconic cars from the 80s and then actually order them. Um, so we have a few more than five right now, so we'll, we'll kind of have to cut it down. But the ones that would most likely have ended up on all of our lists are Kit, the Ecto-1, so Kit from Knight Rider, Ecto-1 from, of mm-hmm. course, Ghostbusters, the A-Team Airwolf. van from A-Team, the Miami Vice Testarossa. Airwolf. Not Airwolf. Okay. The General Lee from... Uh, the Dukes of Hazard. I hated that the show. Interceptor from Mad Max. The DeLorean from Back to the Future. Uh, we did have some late uh, things that were bumped in here. That would be the uh, Interceptor, which Jimmy just said, and also the the uh, the Winnebago from Spaceballs and the um, Family Truckster station wagon from National Lampoon's Vacation. But so, what do you think would be? Should we? I, we should go one to five. I think that'll be easier. What is the most iconic car from eighties TV and movie? I, I think I think without question that has to be the Delorean. Agreed. Really, I, this might not be a, much of an argument, but I I would agree with that. I actually leaned. I thought that was number two personally. I thought the Ecto One was way more noticeable and way more. Mm. 
You, I, you I can think that, but you're wrong. I agree. I don't. You don't see many people out there forking over tons of money for a uh, whatever that was, like a Buick well, purse or something. That being, that being said, I have seen several Ecto. There's an Ecto one that drives around Orlando here. There is, yeah. So, I mean, but as far as as far as strictly iconic '80s cars, it, I I have to say the DeLorean is number one. I'd say DeLorean one. Two Ecto. I would say Ecto one is number two. Mm-hmm. See, I'll, I will tell you my thought. First of all, I did not see Back to the Future till the nineties, and I didn't. The DeLorean didn't stand out to me until they added the the flying thing, the the Mister Fusion thing on the back, mm-hmm. and I believe that was that leaned in towards the nineties. But um, you guys seem to be very strong on the DeLorean, which I man, I actually thought it was going to fall way further than that. To be completely honest, mm-hmm. um, and the Ecto one, there's like it's so like you can't look at it and not think eighties between the, the way they did the technology, the way it looks, mm-hmm. even though it's an older mm-hmm. type of car. But it just even like you, I say Ecto one, I hear the sound. Still not changing my vote, Greg. I'm saying nope. it's number two. I didn't try I, to get you to change your vote. Oh, okay. I was going to mm. say, and I love Ghostbusters. Uh, but to and the Ecto One is my go-to car in Rocket League now. I love the Ecto One, but and I already have the and I have the DeLorean because the DeLorean is also a playable car in Rocket League. But Ecto One is my jam. But if, if you're talking iconic '80s cars, there there's nothing bigger than the DeLorean from Gotcha. And I I think that kind of leads us up to Kit. I would I would place Kit at number three. I think so too. This man, yeah. this is going to be a really boring not much discussion. of an argument. Mm-hmm. Number three, like, yeah. I like how they all have something just a little different than the regular car. Um, I think in my order, it's Kit, Eighteen Van, and then the Miami Vice Testarossa. I would agree with Eighteen Van. Eighteen Van, yes. At four, at five, I as much as I want to place the Interceptor from Mad Max, it was not. Um, Mad Max, the franchise started in the late seventies, so I I can't say that's a true product of the as much as i want and and i i think this is where our argument is going to start because i think at number five i don't put while miami vice was extremely popular it wasn't other than being a ferrari testarossa i don't know that the car was all that recognizable um it was a luxury car and that was pretty much Mm -hmm. it um at number five i would actually argue that you might need to put in the ford truckster the 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 wood-sided uh the, the family truckster from National Lampoon. Yeah, the family truckster. Sorry, the family truckster from National Lampoon. No, I perf- I actually I I love those movies. I just finished reading a book about those movies. Um, so I get that now. That was yeah, it was in the first one. Um, I'm sort of okay with that, but do a lot of people know that one? Like iconic means like you see it and you immediately think of it. I I if 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 you're lucky enough to see a wood paneled. You know, a, a car with, with uh, wood paneled siding. I believe the PT Cruiser did that as part of some beach yeah. thing. Of course, Stranger. Um, keep on smacking my microphone. Of course, Stranger Things three just did it. Yep, and they they referenced it. So um, I'd put the truckster at five. Well, at least it's not the General Lee. And I loved the General Lee. Don't I mean? I'm not referring to the painting. I, but... I hated that show. No, I, 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 that's what I'm saying. I loved the show. I mean, I loved the show. I loved the horn. I was, a, I was a big Dukes of Hazard fan. One of the other ones that we left out is the Batmobile because that, that, was, that one came out in '89. True, but I mean, oh, we also forgot the Bluesmobile. That's true. So, okay, well, we're going to go with uh, I think DeLorean, Ecto One, Kit, the Eighteen Van, and the Family Truckster, and then all of those other ones you guys can write in and yell at us about. Is that the Dodge MS4 Interceptor, which is from 
the movie The Wraith. Oh, yeah, but no one saw that until, yes. like, 20 years later yeah, when people made fun no. of it on Mystery Science Theater or whatever shit they watch it on. Mm-hmm. Oh, I saw it. I saw it in wow. the 80s. Yeah, Nighthawk, the motorcycle, or I think it was what it was called. Okay, there you go. There is our uh, argument of the top five iconic, iconic cars from 80s TV and movies. Rob, you need to get an actual Ecto-1. Okay. Uh, Jimmy, are you mad at anything other than the fact that we are recording at 11 o'clock at night? Aside from that, yeah, I just wanted to uh, cover this real quick because um, it's it's something that I kind of run into every day. Maybe I'm just unlucky that I see this, but it, it happens a lot down, uh, down by the parks or anywhere there's a, a, a large concentration of tourists. Um, guys, I want to talk about bathroom etiquette real quick. <laughs> And, oh um, my god <laughs> go ahead a, a, a couple of things on, that bother me um, <laughs> no no didn't get peed in uh, peed on but maybe stepped oh. in um, oh, I, I can't understand guys you, you're giving us all a bad rap here I, how do you miss that badly um, if if you dribble a little just clean it up you know there's there's nothing worse than, than walking in feeling, feeling good about yourself you got a, a new fresh new pair of kicks on and you step a, a puddle of human urine um come on you just go in there and put your hands behind your head and just yeah, whatever happens happens um another thing though is and, and I've, I've really noticed just tourists do this more than anyone else walking into the bathroom and immediately pulling it out <laughs> have, so have you guys seen that week. <laughs> every single thing we've talked about. yeah yeah it's it's topical but uh as soon as you open the door it's out it's it's flapping around like one of those noodle guys outside of a used car dealership. Um, there are kids True. in there, you know. Come flailing on. appendages. Yeah, flailing ap- yeah, appendages I've seen everywhere. That quite a few times. Uh, the other one, uh, if if you're um, you know at the uh, the trough or the stall and you've got a divider between you, try and stand close to the divider. Don't stand six feet back. God forbid somebody walks in front of you, because that's just not what people do. And you, and you get peed on. Wow. And and that brings me to to the worst of the uh, offenders here. Wash your fucking hands. Mm-hmm. Just wash your hands. Why? Hmm. That's gross. You just had your hands. Well, maybe they didn't have their hands on their junk, which is why it got all over the place. They just went around like a like the like a wacky it's garden like a weasel. Fire hose. Yeah. <laughs> and. So wacky garden weasel. Yeah. Just flailing all over the place. So that's, that's my rant guys. Be a little more considerate. Come on. Don't pee on the floor. Don't pee on other people. Unless that's your thing. You know, if, if you, if you drop a little dookie on the floor, pick it up. <laughs> I don't want to be in. I don't want to be in whatever up. bathroom he was in. I got bad luck, man. I go in and it's just, I, I think everyone should, uh, I think every bathroom should stock poopery. <laughs> Uh, nice. That's another thing, but that's a that's just yeah, not gonna happen. I can't hit just find myself in agreement the door to I went everyone. To a water park this past, you know, earlier this week, and you know, you go to a water park and you have to walk in there in bare feet at times if you're far away, especially when you have a kid. That's like yeah. I have to go to the potty, and you're like, crap, oh my shoes are way too far away, and you have to walk in, and that you just walk through the mystery mm-hmm. puddles when you get to the urinal. It's like uh, I gotta. What's that, Dad? Yeah. Don't think about it, son. Like, I'm just gonna carry you. Or like grown men who pull their pants all the way to the floor. <laughs> oh God! When I get really old, when I get really old, I'm going to be that guy. Yeah, you. I had, I had to deal but, with it. Someone else is going to have to deal with it. Yep, that's what I got. Okay. Well, uh, let, let's 
do some contact. If you are offended at all by this episode or you want to talk about stuff or send us messages, you know that you can find us on Facebook by searching for the Give Me Five podcast. That is F-I-V-E five. You can check us out. Give Me Five pod at Twitter and Instagram. Give Me Five podcast at gmail.com is our email. Please, on whatever podcast uh, listening application you are listening to us on, whether it be iTunes or Stitcher or PodCoin, um, make sure you... PodCoin! Yes, make sure you leave us a review. And, uh, of course, you can check out our store, GiveMeFivePodcast.Threadless.com, and all of this information is available. GiveMeFive.Libsyn. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N dot com. And we are sorry about the penis-centric episode. No, we're not. Good morning, good afternoon, and good night. Thanks for listening. The episode you just listened to is brought to you by PodCoin. Well, you just listened to the whole episode. So had you been listening on PodCoin, when we were rambling on about terrible 80s movies and Ghostbusters haunted houses and, well, a lot of other things, you could have been gathering points that had towards it could be gift cards you can turn in those points for gift cards you can get stuff for starbucks you can get stuff for all sorts of places you're going to shop anyway you turn in those points you get gift cards you get basically real money for doing something you were doing anyway you could take those points and turn them into money for your favorite charities there's a bunch of animal shelter charities there's you there's a big list you know take a look at all of those charities and if you don't want an extra coffee every so often, then help some people out. PodCoin is a free app. It is available on basically every phone, and it has all of your favorite podcasts on it, as us. And uh, really, Rob, is there any other podcasts out there? Other than us? No. It's just yeah. us. So it has us, your actual favorite podcast, and you can listen to it just by searching Give Me Five Podcast on PodCoin. And as you listen to us ramble on about stuff, you can uh, gather points and just think about it. If we go long, because the movie that we watch is extra weird and hard, giggity, and, and because Rob says ridiculous things, if we go long, that is actually better for you because you get more points, which means more money for you. So check out PodCoin, P-O-D-C-O-I-N, and thank you for listening. Or penis, depending upon where you're from. I'm under. Try again. Note that.